We've all had those repetitive work tasks that just must be done. Total pain, waste of time, at least it feels that way. Meet Haim Azal, SVP of Technology and CISO at Kanji. He makes the case for automation being used to free people up so that they can focus on more important work. There's a lot of companies that are focusing on automation, creating decisioning engines that provide context to end users that allow them to do the right things in their organization but without having to have all of these people spend the time that they should be using for better things in other places. And again, like this definitely doesn't replace the need to have an awesome team of awesome individuals who do incredible work. It just allows them to redirect and focus their attention on doing things that matter and doing things that aren't like super task-based that are tedious that they shouldn't have to do because no one created the solution for it. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Haim explains how Kanji Platform helps its customers manage Apple devices for their teams. He shares how his interest in Kanji first developed as a customer and how that experience led him to join Kanji. Haim also talks about his own journey working at companies that have scaled teams and what he has learned along the way about building products. Enjoy the episode. Tell us what is Kanji and what does it do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kanji is an enterprise Apple device management platform that focuses on orchestrating and automating tasks for IT organizations and security teams. Give us an idea why this is necessary. Now, I, I've i never managed at an enterprise level Apple devices. However, I have managed my household. I'm going to tell you right now, it's kind of annoying. Uh, I got, you know, I have to create an iCloud account for all my kids. Uh, they all have iPads. You know, we have a couple computers. And so I'm just managing like five, six devices, and I think it's annoying. But I didn't realize there wasn't like an enterprise-grade solution for this. Give us an idea so our audience understands. What is the actual problem? I think I can uh, first preface that by saying I actually was a customer of Kanji. I was so impressed by the product and by using it at my previous organization that I decided to join Kanji uh, because I I, I believed in all these huge strides uh, that we're making. And so partially, it's trying to figure out how you can simplify repeatable processes for a technology organization to make sure that your IT and security team can focus on the things that are really important. And that's really serving the internal consumers. I was launching different devices to different offices across the world, and I didn't have an easy solution to how to break up different business segments and give unified deployments of applications, right? How I was gonna go ahead and get devices to those foreign countries pre-enrolled, and a myriad of all these other complex problems. And so I was introduced to Kanji and they're like, hey, like we do that. Like we, we automate all of that. So essentially I was able to break up different business units within my organization, whether it was the finance org, technology org, marketing, I was able to predefine applications, pre-enroll devices, get them shipped directly uh, to the employees and have everyone get exactly what they need when they needed it to be successful for the role in the organization. And it just was seamless and smooth. And I was like, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> so which company were you at when you, when you discovered this? Yeah, so I was at Active Campaign, uh, leading a, a global initiative in, I think, seven different countries, uh, 1,200 employees, 170,000 customers worldwide. And we were figuring out at scale how we were going to go ahead and service our internal consumers to make sure that everything was seamless and the IT team could really, and the security team could focus on collaborating together and making sure that they were really a customer centric organization and they could help the internal 
employees with their day-to-day activities, not trying to figure out how to get them set up, not trying to figure out how to onboard or offboard, and not trying to figure out how to give them all the tools that they need to be successful in their day-to-day responsibilities. You know, and this is pretty fascinating because I think in the history of IT visionaries, you might be the, I'm going to call it right now, you're the first, at least since I've been the host, you're the first person I've heard of that was the consumer first of an enterprise application, then became like their their CTO or CTO equivalent of that company. What was it? I, you know, because you're, you're clearly familiar with the problem. How did it make it so easy? Because when you said that, right, seven countries, 1,200 employees, I didn't start, I didn't write down any more stats. That's already, I, I already know that's hard, right? I'm not trying to manage 1,200 of anything. I don't have 1,200 anything in my life. Nothing without some type of automation, simplification, search, like, and it sounds like you were doing this with, I would assume, a small team because typically internal resource teams are usually constrained. That's usually how it goes. Was it like just that much more simple? And I guess you make it sound like it was quite a groundbreaking experience. I'd love to understand like why was it different, I guess, because there's other tools out there. There's other things that manage applications and devices. I'm sure you have to have competitors. What was it that made it like see, seem so smooth, so seamless? I think there's, you know, uh, there's one or two established players uh, in the industry uh, that I, I used for a long time at various companies. The fact of the matter is that they were just okay. No strong feelings one way or another, but nothing earth shattering. And I still had to have individuals on my teams take a lot of engineering time and engineering hours and figure out how to script right these solutions to solve my organization's problems. And these are repeatable issues, right? This is not something that we're customizing, we're doing a one-off These are like ongoing issues that I encountered at multiple organizations, and it didn't seem like there was any interest to solve some of these problems within the industry. And so when I was made uh, the introduction to Kanji and uh, my my director of IT offered this up, said, hey, like this is this is a game changer for us. This is going to revolutionize how we, we work internally. I looked at like the ease of use, the intuitiveness and all of like the careful thought right, based on the industry and the community of these reoccurring problems that should have been solved for and should have been automated out of the box. And that was Kanji's whole premise. It's like, we're looking at these gaps that we know exist, and we just want to make them fall to the wayside and and, and become behind the scenes issues that our app takes care of out of the box. And for me, that careful thought of like planning and like how to execute, there's a huge amount of room for disruption. uh, And I wanted to be part of that. I mean, that sounds like a good bet. You know, one of the things that it's repeated consistently with our different guests that have been on the show, different CIOs, CTOs, CEOs of tech companies, they talk about how they have to get close to the customer, understand exactly how customers are using their applications, understand where their problems are in order to develop and engineer solutions for the future. So you're coming in for a pretty interesting perspective in that you you knew exactly what the experience was and you probably identified a couple of problems that you wanted to solve out the gate. When you first landed at Kanji, what were some of the things that you were really excited about and wanted to invest some engineering efforts towards like, hey, the product's great. We had another guest once that was like, hey, you know, your product is actually always just average. Like there's always something you can do to make it better. It's never done. And so like, you know, you come in, even though you love it, you also know there's something better you can do. What were some of the big initial investments you came right away? You're like, hey, this is something that I know will work because this was exactly my problem. Absolutely. So there was a lot of awesome things that were already in the mix, but I definitely came in and uh, brought the security product perspective uh, as well. So we were already launching Passport, which is our SSO integration feature set, which is huge for a security team as a whole. That's mandatory. Like you have to have that to be successful. And so I was pleasantly surprised when I came on that this was already close to code completion. We're able uh, to get that released 
And that's for general availability now. So everyone can go ahead and use that. And some other things that I thought were, were super interesting is how we're approaching uh, some of these ideas about taking our auto apps feature and functionality, where we can go ahead and auto update applications for your fleet. And you can go ahead and manage a lot of your IT risk from uh, a hygiene perspective. Like we're iterating on those and building them out at a level that I think uh, the industry is going to be very impressed with. So taking some of the key core functionality that we have around our automation orchestration and really thinking about some of like the overarching deeper initiatives that we can take them that solve a multitude of problems. So just taking things one or two clicks further, no one's doing it. I guess when you showed up on day one and said, hey, these are some of the big objectives, like you mentioned one project sounded like it was already in works. There might've been other projects that weren't quite in works, but you had to maybe convince some of the team. Give us an idea. How did you go about getting projects greenlit? Did you have like ultimate authority where you're like, hey, I'm just doing it, we're doing it. Or did you talk to your team and like come to some type of consensus? Like how did you start implementing these projects right away? So it's incredible. We have so many subject matter experts here at Kanji who are really, really, really integrated into the community and really have deep knowledge and understanding of what some of the issues are. And I think I was just another voice to be added into that mix that had some varied perspectives from like being a consumer, running security and technology organizations. Uh, So I think it's definitely been a collaborative layered approach. The business has, I believe, all the right people uh, to make all the right decisions to go to the right place. And so I'm really happy to be a part of this larger group and to add my expertise in and help uh, drive some of those conclusions. But it's been totally collaborative. Uh, again, I, I bring things up. People are stoked. They love it. I have full investment. And we're just revolutionizing uh, how people are deploying, managing their Mac fleets. Oh, that sounds great. Are there other people on your team with experiences similar? Or maybe did they even manage even more devices than you were a part of? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's not just from like a device management perspective, like the overall, uh, the amount of the size of the fleet, like all of those things are incredible and great. But I think a lot of the perspective is that we have people from a lot of different market segments who have felt a lot of different pain points, different areas, right? Obviously different verticals, different industries are going to have different challenges, but I definitely brought the SaaS perspective, like that high growth, fast paced technology organization that's looking to go ahead and and utilize and leverage a product like this to be successful. Again, we have a lot of great people who came directly from Apple uh, and who are super uh, smart and experts with the MDM protocol. And so taking this different layered approach of how we're looking at the tools that we're using to solve the problems, the current industry problems, and then again, some things that we're we're kind of thinking about in advance uh, to get ahead of some industry trends are all really exciting. So I think it's definitely a collaboration of a lot of really smart people uh, in the right place in the right time. Yeah. I'm curious if you could share, give us an idea of like, what are some of the problems in other segments? Because like you mentioned that your experience was in SaaS and it was the, about the scale up, you know, we're going bigger, wider, more countries. What did other industries, I guess, face? And what were some of their challenges like, Hey, where they were boggled by this kind of concept of keeping inventory or track of other systems and tooling for other team members? The ones I mentioned before, just like the onboarding, offboarding, right? Figuring out how to go ahead and uh, deploy at scale, different countries, regions, blueprints, things like, like that. That's one uh, aspect. But we have this whole you know, additional problem with making sure that we can have the appropriate parties within an organization collaborate with each other effectively and being able to materialize these rich data sets Uh, that we have from an IT perspective, from a security perspective and a technology perspective and allow them to bridge the gap for us to, again, solve reoccurring problems in an easy, intuitive and seamless way. And a lot of those things are, we've been seeing the general progression of the IT organization 
uh, being part of the overall security organization. And so we have a lot of things like SOC 2 compliance, ISO 27001, where there's an audit that takes place and there's a lot of information that has to be materialized. And these happen on an annual, semi-annual basis. And being able to look at things as a whole between the two parts of the organization, an easy, seamless, repeatable process is something that's been very difficult for a long time, right? So the security team will say, hey, we have this audit, you know, governance, risk, and compliance. Like, I'll go over and say, like, hey, we need to find out which devices have this software from this period of time, you know, all these other crazy controls and metrics. And then the IT team has to scramble, right? It doesn't feel like very collaborative. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, like an easy thing. But being able to have a tool like Kanji that aggregates all that information in one place where it's easy to pull, the security team can feel comfortable using it, right? The IT team loves it, and that's like their home base. They're able to collaborate together and have all of these reoccurring problems that the industry faces on an ongoing basis simplified in a way that allows people to work and work happy. And so I think like that for me and my professional experience has been like one of the hugest challenges. Like we have this reorg where IT is security and security is IT, but how do we really make it feel like they're the same team? And that's by cross-sharing information, uh, creating repeatable patterns. Just another thing, patch management, right? So, you know, security team goes to the IT organization. Hey, I got these 35 applications on this and this user's, you know, machine. Like, how do we go ahead and get them updated, you know, and upgraded? And the IT team gets like a stack of, you know, like reports. Like, ah, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Put it on the backlog. Like, we'll work through it. (laughs) That doesn't have to happen, you know? I was thinking about it. Your story is very similar to some of the other CISOs. CIO, CTO is kind of that have been on the show before when they talk about, hey, you know, a lot of times in security, it's a great idea. You say, hey, we want to implement this. And then when it comes time to do it, like the manpower or the people power that takes to do this across a thousand whatever devices, multiple locations, multiple countries, it just becomes another ticket. Like you just described, it's just another thing I got to do. And, so, and like, is it a priority? Is it not a priority? Like the CEO says he can't turn his computer on. Like, I feel like that's a priority. Like, I, I don't know about this like patch. You want me to send this patch to, you know, Norway. Like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> that's right. A hundred percent. And and so like generating work for other people, like it doesn't become priority, right? But collaborating with uh, people, like that, that's how things get done. And so I think Kanji is an optimal collaboration tool that bridges the gap between IT teams and security teams in order for them to uh, be effective uh, together in large scale fleet management with Apple devices. You know, one of the things we always do with IT Visionary is also is we want to dive into a little bit about, you know, you, the person, your career and some of the things that you've accomplished. You know, one of the things I always think about is people have different paths. There's multiple ways to get to a successful place, but you clearly have a lot of experience working with large teams. Were you trained to do this or was this something like, you know, what happens to a lot of startup founders is like, hey, I grew and I kind of learned by necessity. Like no one trained me to do anything. Like I just kind of had to figure it out. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit of both. Uh, So I've done the whole scale process now, I think four times going from anywhere between you know, 200 employees uh, to 1,500 employees. Tell our audience some of these companies you've been a part of because it's, it's pretty cool. This is wave number four for me. So uh, I originally uh, had the opportunity to work at an awesome organization called Uptake. Uptake is a big data analytics company for Fortune 100 industrial companies. The founder and CEO is Brad Keywell. Uh, most people know him because he was the co-founder of Groupon. Uh, so I was at that company from... Uh, employee number like 125, uh, all the way to, uh, I, I believe, 1150 uh, when I departed. That was an incredible experience. That was like an MBA by fire. That amount of scale, that amount of growth, 
that amount of, uh, you know, venture capital uh, involvement and uh, dealing with some of the best people from around the world, like the best talent uh, was brought in from every, every single place you can imagine. Um, so that was incredible. So I led application security at that organization and uh, application security architecture. So building up the secure software development lifecycle, being able to secure apps and microservices in a pretty, pretty intense environment was, was incredible. Another organization I worked for uh, was Avant, which is a fintech company, uh, which I think has, you know, like $2.6 billion valuation. Super, super incredible. They revolutionized doing direct-to-consumer loans for the top 25 regional banks that didn't have internal dev shops. So being able to help banks, help consumers uh, be able uh, to leverage capital, which was a pretty amazing uh, endeavor there as well. I had the opportunity uh, to build out their entirety entire security architecture program from all of the restrictions and regulatory things that go involved with uh, finance. So a lot of interesting, unique lessons learned. Uh, and then I went to Active Campaign and led the entirety of the security program. I think $3 billion valuation right now. It's been a while since, uh, but they're, 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 they're we're customers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and I led a team of around 35 security individuals there. Uh, ran a lot of different product teams, built security features within the product. But essentially, uh, you know, I've reported uh, to the CTO for my last uh, two roles, and I've led engineering teams for the entirety of my career. You know, I've been super product focused uh, throughout the entirety of it, very involved in the community. I work with a lot of uh, SaaS uh, security companies to help um, formulate and strategize about their product build out. And so I thought the next logical step in my career uh, was to build or to help and collaborate to build an incredible product at Kanji. Uh, I was already so impressed with it uh, before I came on. And so being able to contribute to it is a, it's a big opportunity for me. We just really haven't had that many guests that have like experienced the product that were, they loved so much where they were like, oh, I want to build that too, because this is such a good experience. This is so good. It's very rare when we hear people with that much I guess, excitement, you know what I mean? Excitement for another company's product is usually we are fired up by the things we are working on. It's really rare when someone else shows us something they're working on. It's like, oh, well, this is, this is also very cool. You know, nothing against what's happened before, but just like, kind of like the way you sound in your voice. When you think of your style of product guidance, because you've been involved in so many products, how do you explain what you're looking to build? Because there's always like form, some people are more form, some people are more function, some people want to be more forward thinking, some people want to be more like, hey, this is about scale capacity. Some people want to say they are all things equally, but I know that's not true. Give us an idea of your own personal philosophy and how you think about how products should be built. Absolutely. So the steel thread, so to speak, in all the companies that I worked for uh, were extremely data forward and data driven, consuming data, being able to forward that data back to customers in, in application utilization usage to be able to make the experience better uh, and to be able to automate a lot of things uh, that your customer would expect to be as reoccurring functionality. So as far as product, taking core competencies, things that we excel at and we're really good at, Right? And leveraging a lot of that interesting telemetry and data that we have to go ahead and continue to make improvements on it. But I generally like to think about things uh, in a more strategic way and less tactical way. Like I think that you know, the more you go down those different layers, like you bring in trusted people who you hire for their expertise and excellence and for the day-to-day operations and how things get executed and what needs to be accomplished now. Like you lean on those trusted individuals and then really thinking two and three steps ahead of like, 
where the industry is going, how we leverage our current competencies, and how we stay ahead of the trends, and really making sure that we continue to engage the community to keep our finger on the pulse of what those problems are, and we're not creating a solution in a box, right? Um, some organizations uh, like to think about like the enterprise solely. They shoot like three steps ahead, think like we're going to solve. And by the time it actually gets to those enterprise capabilities, you've, you've, already, you've already missed. Uh, so really focusing on our main customer segment and being able to grow with them and scale with them and identify challenges as they uh, experience them and then solve for them. Like if we all grow together, we all win together. And so making sure that, you know, small, smaller organizations, mid-tier organizations, smaller enterprise organizations all have very complex problems. Uh, that benefit the Fortune 100 as well. And so making sure uh, that what we keep in line with our current customer base and uh, have our finger on the pulse and make sure that we can all grow and win together. The one thing you just mentioned a moment ago is this level of strategic thinking. And, you know, I'm curious for yourself, obviously, everyone we've talked to agrees hybrid work is here. It's never going back. Whether you agree fully remote, back in office, whatever, we'll say we'll call it hybrid. Hybrid is here. There's going to be some combination, especially in knowledge work, software work, especially in your line of work, managing Apple devices. <laughs> hybrid is here. When you think really big, strategic ways of building Kanji and how, where you're going to make your investments, you know, I'd love to get a like little preview into your mind. Like, how do you think? What is the world going to look like? Let's say, in, like you said, in a three-year horizon. Of course, it's really hard to build for a ten-year horizon. I don't know what's going on out there, but in a three-year horizon, kind of like what you're talking about, is kind of where you need to be today, so that you can meet people tomorrow. You know, in three years, how is work going to look, and what needs do you think you're going to need to meet? Absolutely. So I, I view it as like hybrid is also here to stay. I even like remote work in totality is here to stay. And I think that if we solve the problems for the remote work environments, uh, we also uh, solve the problems for uh, those organizations that do still choose to have, uh, you know, in-person office and, and work schedules. I think there's some nuanced things that we need to take uh, into account uh, for office-based environments, but I feel like working remote, like solving for that solves 90% of the general problems. And I think Kanji was already thinking about those things pre-pandemic. Kanji is also a new company. So most of its DNA is rooted in the current landscape. So Kanji, I think, was like, I don't know, six months old when, when COVID started, right? Like, so just from that perspective, there's been a lot of thought and a lot of forward thinking like, hey, what does the industry need? How are we thinking about things? I think as far as uh, three years in advance, automation isn't going away making things uh, intuitive and, and simple and allowing your consumers to have an ecosystem of things that they can leverage and use the heart and core of your platform to do so, I think is a key uh, for us being successful. Because as a consumer, as a purchaser, everyone has their list of favorite things that they believe allow them to be successful in their organizations and making sure that we can go ahead and leverage the power of those ecosystems that, again, CTOs, CIOs, CISOs are using and allowing to use our core platform to set those individuals up for success in conjunction with those things is, is how we're going to continue to win. So really thinking long term about how we're going to take our ease of use, our intuitiveness, our ability to deploy manage and orchestrate across a myriad of devices, right? Easily for IT and security teams. And then thinking about the other key things that need to happen in order for those organizations to be successful. I think that's the investment and that's the direction that we're going. 
I think back to when I was in software and how we our product. And I told our teams like, Hey, this is before we got acquired. I was like, Hey, the world's going to a passive. So I'm going to, I always tell this story to everybody. Cause I think you should build this cause this would be awesome. But the world is going to a passive computing model. The way I would describe it to all our developers, like people actually don't want to put in inputs, but they want some control, just not a lot, right? They want suggestions. So in your world, I'm imagining, let's say I'm in, I'm in uh, IT and I log into my kanji. This is what I want. I'm ready. You, got, you can build this. This is, this is on me, baby. You can, you can build this. I want it to come and say like, hey, I noticed 95 out of your 1000 devices don't have this patch. Would you like to update? Yes. That's how I want to come into the interface, right? I, it's like, I noticed, I don't need you to do it for me because I think people want that level of control because they don't want to feel replaced. I just want to pull the trigger. I just want to be like, hey, we noticed a security vulnerability in you know, 35% of your devices over here. Would you like to, we can install this. Yes, block it, right? There's an upflow of traffic right here. Similar to like what I see in uh, TurboTax. Like it, sometimes the, the charges come in and says, hey, I noticed this is payroll. Do you want to always classify this as payroll? Well, yes, I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I think that's where people are going to want. They're going to want to be these vulnerabilities brought to them. Because if we think about it, our world today relies a lot on analysts. Like analysts have to tell me that this is happening. And then I have to think of a solution. If you get in a world where you're going to bring me a solution, find me the problem, and be like, do you want to deploy my solution? I can, of course, choose a different solution, but I think that'd be really cool. Absolutely. And I think we see it more and more. Like there's a lot of companies that are focusing on automation, creating decisioning engines that provide context to end users that allow them to do the right things right in their organization, but without having to have all of these people spend the time that they should be using, right, uh, for better things in other places. And again, like this definitely doesn't replace the need to have an awesome team of awesome individuals who do incredible work. It just allows them to redirect and focus their attention on doing things that uh, that matter and doing things that aren't like, you know, super task-based that are tedious that they shouldn't have to do because no one, you know, created the solution for it. So we're trying to make their lives better and easier. <laughs> Hi, it was awesome having you on the show, man. I understood exactly what you're up to. Did a great job articulating what your product is. And thanks for telling a little about your story. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Hi, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work. So our audience gets to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. You have a law degree, specifically a Jewish law degree. That doesn't correlate to coding right away. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I, I had entered into the workforce. I originally went to school for computer science. My first gig, I was like, okay, this is amazing, but like, there's got to be more to life. Uh, so I decided that, you know, after a couple of years, I was going to take a break and I wanted to go get a secondary degree. Uh, so I took six months off. I moved to Jerusalem and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a degree in, in Jewish law. And I really thought about like how I could go ahead and make an impact in my surroundings and give back to my community and really uh, be a positive influence, uh, no matter where I was or what I was involved with. And so I did that. And that uh, that six months ended up being uh, two years and I ended up wrapping up that degree. And I, I went to work back immediately in tech, uh, but I had a huge uh, shift in my perspective. Uh, and not only was I able to focus on the material work I was doing, I was also focusing on personal growth and spiritual work within myself and being able to contribute and help people around me. And so I think gave me an extra layer of perspective and also positivity uh, with things that I encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so one of the best decisions I ever made in my life, uh, and I think it's made me a stronger tech executive and tech professional as a whole. So uh, highly recommended for people to go out 
and uh, go outside the box sometimes and, you know, do what speaks to them. When you're working deep in thought, whether you're coding or working on big projects, we found out you like listening to music. Just not any kind of music. We caught that you like at the drive-in. So you tend to like heavier music. Besides at the drive-in, what are some of the bands you listen to while deep in thought or working? Oh, man, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, I grew up uh, listening to punk rock and hardcore. And I think uh, lately, if I had to throw out some bands that I I listen to on a recurrent basis, uh, it'd probably be at the drive-in, cursive, uh, maybe some some softer stuff too, like uh, Mike Kinsella, you know Owen uh, stuff like that. Uh, eclectic, eclectic taste. <laughs> Do your peers or have you met peers in the tech industry that also listen to the music you like? You know what? Uh, I gotta be honest. Um, few and far between, but there's a couple times where you know just walking by in an office scenario, someone Spotify and they're like, Oh, okay. You're rad. We're, we're, we're going to have to get coffee. Right. And just start starting conversations. Right. There's a reason why, as soon as you said, uh, Oh, you just called my out the drive. And I immediately gravitate towards it. Like, Cause I agree. Like I very rarely meet people that like this style of music. Like my wife says, it's just so hostile. Like it just makes you seem so mad. Like I'm not mad. I'm like, I just love it. Like it just getting fired up. A hundred percent. I think, you know, working technology uh, in general, like, decompression is important and uh, listening uh, to music that helps express some things that you might be feeling on a day-to-day basis is always awesome. So, you know, or just, you know, to, uh, to relax. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It helps me relax, man. Just like my anger, like got channeled through the music. I'm not actually angry, but uh, that's the way I describe it. Right. Just, boom, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, it was awesome having you today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing your story about all the things that you've done. During our homework, I realized the company was young, but I didn't realize just how young it really is. Thank you for framing up this concept of why it's so hard. And, you know, we wish you all the best. And of course, any company that can make my life easier, I'm always pro. Like, yes, let's do this. Make the thing. Make the thing that makes it easier for me to manage devices. I'm, I'm game too. I mean, Mission's a small company, but when I have to figure out who's got what, I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're, we're trying to solve for everyone. And uh, I'm excited that I think we... Uh we're doing a great job and it's just the beginning.